This is your favorite time of the week with your number one one podcast. Sports Today with Peter J. Intercepted down the sideline. Marcus Jones has got speed. Still going all the way. Touchdown, Patriots. From 61. And he has done it again. And the Vikings do it again. High snap. They got it down and it's blocked. Georgia stuffs it. And now here comes the run back. If this stands, it's going to be about a 95-yard touchdown. McCarthy under pressure, back shoulder throw, caught. Cornelius Johnson breaking it, still on his feet. Cornelius Johnson spreading. Touchdown, Michigan, 69 yards. And now it's a total scramble. Emergency mode for the unbeaten Horn Frogs. C.J. Stroud, down the seam, caught, touchdown, Julian Fleming. It doesn't get much better than this time of the year if you're an NFL and or college football fan. I mean, this is as good as it gets. New Year's Eve, the college football playoff tonight. Week 17 in the NFL, underway Thursday with a slog fest between the Cowboys and the Titans. Man. If you're a sports fan, this is the week that it's all about. 11:01 on the East Coast Sports Today with Peter J. College football playoff and NFL special on this New Year's Eve, the final day of 2022. Thank you, as always, for joining me live here on Podbean. The post show goes to Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, all the biggies. Could not have done it without your help. So very much appreciative of the listeners, the followers, everybody on board for sports today with Peter J. We'll be here about an hour and a half today, breaking down the big time tonight. Number one, Georgia. Number four, Ohio State. Number two, Michigan, playing number three, TCU. This is awesome. And we'll start there. Also going to talk Giants-Jets. Biggies tomorrow for both. Both still alive in the playoff picture. Giants probably going to get in. No excuses with the game against the Colts tomorrow, 1 o'clock on New Year's Day. We'll talk more about that in a bit. But we've got to start with college football tonight. And the first game we're going to get is the 2-3 matchup with Michigan TCU. I think the line is at 7.5 or 8, 8.5. Last I checked, that'll fluctuate before the 4 p.m. kick tonight on ESPN. If you're a college football fan, you look forward to this time of the year. Now, the playoffs going to expand to 12 teams, Uh, the sooner the better. It's at least 2024. Could it possibly go to next year? I think they're still talking about these things. It would be fantastic to branch out and get more teams in. But tonight, the CFB playoff starts with two teams who had similar paths to success this year. TCU and Michigan both put up points. 
second-half teams can play defense. I mean, if you watch the Michigan-Ohio State game, which pretty much summed up the season for Michigan, winning at the shoe a couple of weeks ago, yeah, they put up 40-plus points, but they did it with defense on the road. That's big time. And if TCU's going to have a shot tonight, and I think they do, I think it's more than a cover. I'm sitting on the cover tonight uh, as part of my parlay back. Got off to a good start last night. Took the money line Irish over the Gamecocks and Tennessee to cover. Not only did Tennessee cover, they smoked Clemson last night. So fast forward to tonight. The day starts with the Sugar Bowl, but the big time is the playoff. The 4 o'clock game, Michigan-TCU. TCU has more than a shot in this game if, in my opinion, their offensive line holds up. Michigan's front four, really their front seven, first and second level of the defense, they are unreal. They get after it. They can get in the backfield. And it's going to be the test of the year for this Horn Frog offensive line to keep Max Duggan upright, keep him mobile, so he can get the ball to his weapons. And he's got a bunch of them on the outside. Two good special teams as well in this game. But the matchup that I'm going to be watching tonight at 4 o'clock in the Fiesta Bowl is Michigan's front seven against the TCU offensive line. If Michigan causes chaos for the TCU O-line, it's going to be problematic. Because TCU can put up points. I don't think they want to get in a shootout with J.J. McCarthy and company, but if that comes to it, they can hang. If you're not going to stop Michigan offensively, you better put up points. And that's going to come down to the play of their offensive line. Because all year, what we've seen Michigan do is run the football, yes, very well. Throw it when they need to. Excuse me, McCarthy, exceptional. Big-time playmaker. But Michigan beats people because of their defense. They get to the football. They get in the backfield. They create chaos. And if they can do that tonight, it's going to be a problem. Do I think TCU wins the game? No. Would I be shocked if they did? No. I just think Michigan's a little better. Play for the cover for TCU if you're a DraftKings or fan dueler, but I like Michigan in the game. I just think the matchup suits them. And wouldn't it be something if you got a rematch in the national championship of Michigan-Ohio State? But it's going to take a lot for OSU to get there. 8 o'clock tonight against the number one team in the country in Georgia. But the slate of games leading up to this college football playoff tonight has been spectacular. You had the Orange Bowl last night, I mean, 31-14, Tennessee emphatically dumping Clemson. I mean, it was surgical. Caught a little bit of that game after ND's win in the Gator Bowl. And then the lead up today starts at noon, less than an hour. The All-State Sugar Bowl, number five, Alabama, number nine, Kansas State. You'll get another look at why many people think Bryce Young's going to be one of the top three players taken in April's NFL draft. Kid is that good. Everybody talks about 
Will Levis at Kentucky, C.J. Stroud, Ohio State. Bryce Young's best quarterback in the country. Max Duggan, I get it. J.J. McCarthy, all good quarterbacks. Stetson Bennett of Georgia, the number one team defending national champs. I get it. Bryce Young, in my opinion, best quarterback in the country. Absolute star. And the way to kickstart this day is great. I mean, the scheduling around this was phenomenal. To have this Sugar Bowl really jumpstart the day at noon, ESPN, Kansas State, Alabama. What a story Kansas State's been. The number nine team in the country, best three-loss team in America, by the way. And you'll get a real good look at how they will line up. Because the last time we saw Kansas State, all they were doing was beating TCU in a Big 12 championship, TCU's only loss. As it turned out, it didn't need to be a, a, a winnable game for TCU. They were going to the playoff regardless. We now know that. But this Kansas State team creates problems. They're going to give Alabama a test tonight. Really looking forward to that game at noon. And then the 8 o'clock, 1v4, Georgia-Ohio State. A couple of premier offensive units going at it. What I mean, what more can you say about this Georgia Bulldog team that hasn't been said? All the guys they lost in that defense to the NFL last year. And it's a complete, a complete reload. I've made the case numerous times this year that in many ways, this Georgia defense is better than the national championship unit they had a year ago, which is saying something. Because last year's defense was unreal. The way they just consistently got to the opposing quarterback, put pressure on the outside, out on the boundary, the second and third levels of the defense. They're doing it again this year. And now they get Ohio State at Mercedes-Benz Stadium tonight in Atlanta, a basic home game for Georgia at the Peach Bowl, that stadium is going to be rocking. But what a job for Ohio State to get back in here with help. Looked real lousy at home against Michigan last we saw them. Looked outclassed in that second half of the game. Sloppy play from Stroud, which you don't really always see. It's a rarity with him. Michigan got the better of him. Now Ohio State got some help. USC going down late to Utah, bumped the Trojans out of the playoff picture. And here we are. You don't normally get this good of a matchup. I mean, we've seen teams like Michigan State, Notre Dame, and Washington get in the college football playoff as the four seed, and they go up against the Clemson or an Alabama, and they get smoked. Do I think Ohio State's going to win tonight? No, I think Georgia winds up back in the national championship. Do I think it's a blowout, a runaway? Hell no. These games tonight, in the, folks, the committee, the computers, the combination of the two got it right. I mean, one, two, three, and four. If you're a college football fan, this is what it's all about. I mean, it's been a hell of a bowl season to this point. But it's all about tonight. And then, obviously, the national championship, uh, which will be out in California at SoFi Stadium, Monday, January 9th. I hate the fact that they, that they play this national championship on a Monday. But that'll be Monday, January 9th. We'll know tonight who's going. 
at around 11, 11.30, right before the ball drops. But the bowl season overall, and I understand that some people aren't into the fact that there's 30-something bowl games. I love it. It's postseason football. All the way back to December 16th, you got three and a half weeks of college football. There's something on every night. And a lot of these games have been really good. Anybody saw that celebration bowl in Atlanta on this on December 17th, I think it was, Jackson State, North Carolina Central in overtime? Jackson State being led by Deion Sanders, who now took the reins over at Colorado, only lost of the season. I mean, that was a great way to really start the college football bowl slate. If anybody saw that Las Vegas Bowl later that night, Oregon State's the best kept secret in, in America this year, folks. Complete dismantling of Florida in that game, 30-3. to three. Complete dismantling. The New Mexico Bowl between BYU and SMU was a one-point game. North Texas and, and uh, Boise State played in the Frisco Bowl out in Texas. That was a three-point Boise win. A lot of really good stories in this bowl season as well for college football fans. Boca Raton Bowl, Toledo over Liberty. That was a great, that's a huge win for Toledo and their fan base. Air Force upending Baylor in the Armed Forces Bowl last week. Houston took down Louisiana. I watched every minute of that game, the Independence Bowl. It was awesome. It was a great game. Come from behind victory for Houston. Wake Forest is an interesting story as well, because as many people who follow college football will know, their quarterback, Sam Hartman, entered the portal, as so many people have done. We talked a lot about it on the show last week, how the portal and the NIL is getting out of control. It's absolutely getting out of control. There's a market for these kids to get paid, but people seem to think that student athlete, that athlete comes first. They're not athlete students, they're student athletes. Seem to be losing that a bit. I'm all about getting paid. I mean, the coaches do it. Wrong, in many cases, the way they leave. Got to do what you got to do. But to just completely open up the door for this transfer portal with name, image, and likeness, it's going to get out of control. You shouldn't be going to a school to play college football based on how much money. I mean, it's insane to even have to justify this. You want to transfer, fine. Well, why are you transferring from Michigan State to USC? No, USC is going to give me more money. What? Where are we that this is happening? And it's so widely accepted. It's getting out of control. Yeah, those of you who've been following me this past year on this platform, again, I really appreciate it. You know how diehard I am about my fighting Irish. They're going to have a, a, a truckload of money to offer. You know, Marcus Freeman said uh, two weeks ago, Notre Dame's first-year head coach, that there's got to be more to committing to a school than just money. Tell me he's wrong. That doesn't mean that Notre Dame's not going to play the game. They should. But this stuff's got to be regulated because it's, go it's going to get out of control. Now you've got other coaches talking about other players in this portal, and it's kind of taken away from this bowl season. 
And I mentioned the Gasparilla Bowl between Wake Forest and Missouri because Sam Hartman, most of the, I guess it's the the, the worst kept secret in college football, looks like he's going to go to Notre Dame. Which gives Notre Dame a great problem to have at the QB position. If, in fact, Hartman does make his way to South Bend. Because if you watch Notre Dame's bowl game last night, Tyler Buckner hadn't played in months since getting banged up in the despicable loss to Marshall week two. Other than uh, uh, an insane shovel pass and a pick six, I thought Buckner looked pretty damn good last night, folks. For having not played in two months. What do you throw for almost 300, 275, three scores, had the three picks, got to clean it up. That can be coached. Now, the good news for Notre Dame, if Hartman goes in, you got a quarterback competition. Especially with Kenny Minchie com- uh, committing a couple of weeks ago. But the issue is, why are these kids leaving? In droves. You want to transfer, go. Do what you got to do. The coach gets more money. Yeah, I, I never hammered Brian Kelly for leaving Notre Dame for that paycheck. Guy's got a family too. $95 million is a lot of freaking money. Could have been handled better. That was the issue. This portal, this NIL stuff can be handled better. The fact that we have to spend so much time on this when we got a big Final Four tonight, quite honestly, is a little disturbing. I think it was... Again, they play by the rules here with all this money. I, what did USC have this year? 18 transfers and a, and a complete makeover? That stuff doesn't happen in the, in the NFL. And it's happening in college football. You know, I don't mean to be to get off my lawn guy, but it, it's going to get so out of control that it's going to destroy college sports. It's not just football. Bill Self, the Hall of Fame coach at Kansas, has talked a lot about the problems as they relate to college basketball. You know, Sam Hartman, record-setting ACC passer at Wake Forest. Probably the best quarterback the school's ever had. One of the best the ACC's had, and certainly one of the best statistically this year in college football. I mean, he goes to Notre Dame. Marketability goes through the roof for that kid. But I'm with Freeman. Bill Self, Lane Kiffin's called the process crazy, where you should not just be going to a school because of how much money they're going to put in your pocket. And I know what, yeah, I get dirty looks and reactions and messages when I say, well, these kids are getting a free education. You can't sidestep that. Some schools are $65,000 a year. Think about that. Multiply that by four. You know, not everybody's Bill Gates that they can throw money around as as they will. A lot of these universities charge an arm and a leg. Plus, you get the criminal loan uh, organizations that just completely take advantage of these kids. So I have no problem with kids getting money. Why let them do commercials? That's fine. But to be throwing money, say, you know what, I'm, I'm leaving New Mexico State. I'm going to transfer to Michigan because they're giving me a million bucks. That's not good. And I would be interested to see what some of these actual deals look like from an NIL perspective. 
for a lot of the kids that are going to follow Dion to Colorado. And I love Dion Sanders. I think the guy's great. He's awesome. He's funny. Clearly knows the game better. I mean, Dion Sanders probably forgotten more about football than most of us will ever know. And he's taking over a Colorado program that is in complete disarray. Will he win immediately? Who knows? Crazier things have happened. And with the Dion thing works out in Colorado, I don't know, but he's going to give him the shock of energy and sheer football intelligence that they need. But I, I, I'll be interested to see what happens with a lot of these kids that are going to follow him over there. Or a lot of these guys that are going to follow the Lane Kiffins, the Lincoln Rileys, the, the Jim Harbaugh's of the world now because of this NIL stuff. And believe me, I know Notre Dame's going to do it too. You have to. And I think that's part of the problem, that a lot of these teams are going to feel like they have to do this. Which is why I think it's going to get out of control, if it hasn't already. And and, and Freeman's right. And, and don't think for one second that Marcus Freeman, he's in this portal hunt for a reason. Wouldn't be scouring around the transfer portal if he was comfortable with the quarterback situation he had going into next season. Drew Pine's gone, transferred, put himself in the portal, gets picked up by Arizona State. Interesting fit. But Pine, who went 8-2 and two as a starter in South Bend this year, gone. So you've got the kid from Jersey, Angeli, Tyler Buckner, Ron Paulus's kid is there. You've got freshmen coming in, and then you're in the portal. As an ND fan, yeah, Hartman, get him. But my fear is that it's going to take away a lot of the integrity of this game. Those of you who've been following my program know how I feel about the NCAA anyway. You know, early commitments are great for these programs. It's important. You know, with some of these kids, when you decommit, that's harder than committing. I also said last week, part of the problem with this NIL stuff, and the transfer portal. Why do we have to have this massive showman, look at me, national signing day? Why is that necessary? If you know where you're going to go, put pen to paper. I'm a senior. I go to Don Bosco Prep. I want to play football. I'm going to go to Michigan. Sign the paper, go to Michigan. You don't have to sit on a dais with six hats in front of you, pick the hat that you're going to go to, put it on, and have a whole production. I think that's part of the problem also. Because then the kids are made to look like fools if they decide, ah, the fit's not for me. The school's not for me. I'm out. Well, you just put on this entire dog and pony show on freaking National Signing Day, and now you're out. Oh, there's more NIL money waiting for me at this program. I mean, just look, look at what happened, the Peyton Bowen situation. I don't have to get into it. You all know what happened. Got out of control. Kid decommitted three times. Notre Dame in Oregon tried to backdoor his way back into ND. They said, uh-uh, goodbye, kid. Get out. And he went to Oklahoma. Kid looked like a fool. Self-inflicted wounds, yes. But then there's that showmanship up there that some of these advisors giving advice to these kids don't help them. And I don't know that it is a necessary thing for an 18-year-old who's going to be away from his parents or his guardians to now have $5 million. 
Think about it. On the whole, what do you think an 18-year-old is going to do? Do you think most of them are going to invest? You think they're going to try to build their portfolio when they're at school? No. Some will. Some will get decent advisors, good information. Most won't. A lot of them are going to be taken advantage of if it hasn't happened already. And on the whole, the NCAA doesn't give a crap. What do they want to do? They want to make money, revenue. It's one thing I feel very strong about, and I don't think I'm wrong. Very rarely do I think I'm wrong anyway. Just ask my wife. But I don't think I'm wrong here. This stuff gets out of control. It's going to blow up college sports. And again, I've said the, the bowl season to this point, the, the, if anybody watched the Camellia Bowl between Buffalo and Georgia Southern, I know it's not must-see TV. It was a great football game. It was a great football game. The Wisconsin-Oklahoma State game a couple nights ago. The guaranteed rate bowl out in Phoenix. Great job they did at Chase Field, by the way, putting that game together. Awesome football game. If anybody watched the Liberty Bowl between Arkansas and Kansas, triple overtime, 55-53 Arkansas. Oregon in the Holiday Bowl. And the Holiday Bowl, for the, for the college football diehards, you know the Holiday Bowl is one bowl you circle every year. It's always going to be a great game. Oregon getting by North Carolina 28-27. Game, game had everything. A couple of hard hits. Creativity offensively was great. The Minnesota-Syracuse game in a pinstripe bowl. Yankee Stadium does it again. If you've ever been to a football game at Yankee Stadium, as they read, you know, they have the new stadium now since back in 09, it, it's a treat. They do a hell of a job putting football games together at Yankee Stadium. And the pinstripe bowls really become a staple over the bowl season. The Cheez-It Bowl the other night. Florida State, Oklahoma, 35-32. Basically came down to who's going to have the ball last. Great game. The Alamo Bowl, Washington, Texas, a one-score game. All leading up to the New Year's Six, which started last night with the Orange Bowl, Tennessee thumping Clemson 31-14 into tonight's college football playoff and the Sugar Bowl at noon between Alabama and Kansas State. Now, anybody watched the, um, the Gator Bowl yesterday between Notre Dame and South Carolina, that was a treat as well. For the real big college football fans, I mean, the way that game started for the Irish was about as, as bad as it could have gone. And Notre Dame's defense woke up later in that game. And the strong play of Tyler Buckner was really what did it down the stretch for the Irish. Spencer Rat Rattler had a good game for South Carolina. I mean, that was good football in prime time last night in Jacksonville. 45-38 Irish win. I'm not too used to Notre Dame winning bowl games. So that was a treat. And now it catapults this Irish team with some rejuvenated spirit and higher hopes going into next year. You know, you lose Mayer, the tight end. Probably going to go top 15. He should at least go top 20 in the draft. Isaiah Foskey, 
should be a first-round draft pick coming off the edge for the Irish. But I have a revamped offensive line next year. QB position is going to be the one to watch. They're going to have talent on the outside, a good defense. You know, a kid on the outside, Benjamin Morrison. Another big game last night, only a freshman. That sky's the limit here in South Bend. Because you got a coach who, yes, obviously wants to win. I mean, you wouldn't be in the business if you didn't. But everything Marcus Freeman does starts with the fact that the man cares about the kids. Not every coach does. This guy gets it. And it and it was not a difficult year. You go, you, you're the head coach of Notre Dame in your first year. You lose to freaking Marshall. I mean, they'll come for your head. Never wavered. Made the quarterback change. Stuck with Pine when Buckner went down. Never made the panic move to the freshman. Led to a big win midseason at home over Clemson, which effectively ended Clemson's season from a college football playoff perspective. But if you're a Notre Dame fan, you go into next season with the way the guy recruits, the way he puts himself in people's homes and really gives a damn about the kids, you win a lot of football games. I've been excited and had your heart broken as a Notre Dame fan before. I get it. It just feels different. How many times you watch a Notre Dame team lose that game last night? Or the way it starts on a fake field goal, you're down a couple of scores. It gets out of control. The floodgates open. Didn't happen. There's no panic. There's no screaming and yelling. Like the last coach did. Doesn't happen. There's just a different feel with this program. And I think you saw up close last night exactly what I'm talking about if you watch the game. They made adjustments on both sides of the ball. The defense was shut down. Basically after the first quarter. Now, to win on the on the grander stage, things got to be cleaned up. Are you hanging with an Alabama now? Are you hanging with a TCU, Michigan, Ohio State, Georgia? Probably not. I mean, Notre Dame looked, the defense looked pretty damn good week one against Ohio State. And then wasn't really on solid footing for most of the year. Good, competitive, strong, solid, but not national title good. So those are the, some things that need work. And I think between Freeman, Al Golden, and the fact that Tommy Reese just completely embraces everything Notre Dame and Freeman lets him call his game. You got a good staff there. Harry Highstand coaching the offensive line. That's huge. The growth that receiver is going to come. You saw Tobias Merriweather out there last night. Good looking freshman. Things are starting to happen that you haven't seen in South Bend in quite some time, folks. And they're going to have a toughie next year on that schedule. When Ohio State comes to South Bend. I think it's September 23rd, something like that. I think I'm actually going to the game. So you had a, a nice little treat last night in college football leading into tonight. Fiesta Bowl, TCU, Michigan. I like Michigan in the game. I think it's a cover for TCU. I mean, I, I bet it, so it better happen. Close. 
I think it's going to be a real fun game. I like Michigan to go into the title. Peach Bowl, Georgia, Ohio State, close. I just, I, I, I'm not going to be stunned at any outcome tonight. But for me personally, in my opinion, it's a tough sell for me to say any other result that Georgia doesn't win tonight. I think Georgia wins the whole thing. So you get tonight, Fiesta Bowl, Peach Bowl. Then you go Monday. You got the Rose Bowl and the Cotton Bowl. Cotton Bowl is an interesting game. USC, Tulane. Number 16 team in the country, Tulane. Wouldn't it be something if Tulane took down USC? That would be awesome. That would just completely make my day. Other than the Dallas Cowboys losing, nothing makes me happier than when USC loses. Because when USC and, and the Dallas Cowboys generally lose, it's usually in hilarious fashion. Which makes it all the better for me. I'm a bitter Giants fan. And my hatred for the Dallas Cowboys knows no bounds. I love the Philadelphia Eagles compared to my hatred for the Dallas Cowboys. That's how strong it is. But when USC loses in college football, oh, it doesn't get much better. Other than the Irish winning, obviously. So I'll be rooting my tail off in that Rose Bowl. One o'clock on Monday for Tulane. Then you get the Rose Bowl, Utah, Penn State. The Cotton Bowl, I'm sorry, is Tulane, uh, Southern Cal. Five o'clock, same day, Monday. Number eight, Utah, who took down USC not once but twice this year, going up against number 11, Penn State. Be interesting to see this Utah offense against the Penn State defense. What's James Franklin got in store uh, offensively for the Nittany Lions? I mean, this whole slate, around New Year's Eve and then New Year's Day, which gets celebrated uh, from a national perspective on Monday the 2nd, is awesome. Sugar Bowl gets it started today at noon, Alabama, Kansas State, and then again you had Tennessee Clemson last night. So we're, 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 we're jiving now, folks. I like Michigan close tonight. I like Georgia close tonight. And I can't wait to watch. 11.34 on the East Coast Sports Today with Peter J. Right here on Podbean Live. Show also posts after the fact to Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts as well. Couldn't have done that. Couldn't have got on all these platforms without your uh, viewership, following on social media, getting involved. Those of you listening on the Podbean app can chime in. Right? You can call in right through the platform on the app as well to share your thoughts, questions, concerns, comments, anything you want to talk about. We just basically ran through everything that's going to happen in college football tonight with the Final Four. It's going to be great, and I can't wait. I'll be locked in watching the games. It's going to be awesome. Then you move over to tomorrow on Sunday with Week 17. You got the Jets on the road in Seattle, 4.05 start. And this is where we are with the Jets now. Seven and eight, teetering on elimination in the AFC. 
Mike White's cleared to play Sunday. He had multiple fractured ribs that kept him out. And I think you've got an interesting situation developing here with Gang Green. You got the four straight losses. Two on a road to the Vikings and the Bills. Two at home to the Lions and the Jaguars. Jaguars hottest team in the NFL right now. Jaguars and the Bengals look great. But if Mike White plays well and somehow gets the Jets to the postseason, does he or should he have first crack at QB1 next year? I think so. You'll hear the names Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers, Jimmy Garoppolo. Those will be the names associated with the Jets under center next year. But if White plays well and the Jets, the final two games of the season are not easy. Seattle and Miami are playing for their own playoff lives. And both games are on the road. The time for the Miami game next week is still to be determined. Probably be determined based on what happens tomorrow with the Jets on the road in Seattle. But White's back now. It would be interesting to see what he looks like, too, because it was just flat-out dangerous for him to have taken the field the last couple of weeks. But if he plays well, let's say the Jets win these two games, somehow find themselves in the postseason, which would be remarkable. He's got to have first crack, right? First dibs as the QB1 next season. Because I think the failure of this Jets organization, for all the good Joe Douglas has done, turning over this defense, Rob Sal did a great job. I mean, this is a historical turnaround with the Jets defense, how terrible they were, bottom of the barrel last year to now a top 10 unit this year. That's impressive. But where they failed is at the development of a quarterback, specifically Zach Wilson. And Wilson had the opportunity that guy salivate over in the Jacksonville game. And he was terrible. Terrible. I mean, it's was as bad of a performance at a horrendous time for that to happen. And that basically and effectively will end any future that Zach Wilson has with the Jets. There's no going back. They don't sound, when you when you listen to reports in the media as well, it, they don't sound overly thrilled with the way he's carried himself either. Which is never good. So now, where it was Wilson's opportunity to take and keep this job, had he played well, had the Jets beaten Jacksonville at home, now you've got the same situation, but it's Mike White. White knows the offense. He's run it well. Guy's an athlete. He doesn't make dumb decisions with the football. Not the greatest offensive line. I get it. That's why you didn't see Joe Flacco. Not the greatest set of running backs either. I understand that. But if this guy plays well tomorrow and then next week in Miami, it would be a tough sell, I think, with the Jet fan base if this guy wasn't given that true, serious look to have that QB1 spot next year. 
you know, things aren't fair in the NFL. You got to earn everything you have. But if we're at that point where White plays well tomorrow on a road in a place that's tough to play in Seattle, and the Jets can get out of there with a win and stay head above water and try to creep back in this playoff race, and then if he's able to do it again in Miami, that's your guy. You go get a veteran. You want to bring in somebody like a Derek Carr, whatever. Jimmy Garoppolo, maybe an Aaron Rodgers. I know they're floating the rumors out if Lamar Jackson doesn't get paid in Baltimore, he's a perfect fit for the Jets. Lamar Jackson's a perfect fit anywhere. And it would be asinine if Baltimore doesn't pay the guy. But you have those rumors floating around. White plays well, he's the guy. Until proven otherwise. Jets got to get it right. At some point, you have to figure out the quarterback position. I mean, what internally, organizationally, what goes on that they can't figure this out? It, it's mind-boggling to this point. Because in, from, from my perspective, I'm not, you know, I'm not a Jet fan. I certainly don't root against the team. What they've done from last year to this year, so many things right. Looking to improve that offensive line. And despite what many people will say, detractors, the offensive line is better. It's improved. You know, Vera Tucker being banged up doesn't help. The Mackay Becton saga doesn't help. But they, they've improved. Obviously, the defense, much improved. That kid, Sauce Gardner, is going to be a star if he isn't already. And then you get Brees Hall, the running back, the rookie from Iowa State, back next season. Talent on the outside. Two good veteran tight ends. And you bulk up a little bit on the second level of that defense, perhaps. But it's the quarterback spot that continues to be a thorn in the side for the Jets. And it doesn't seem to matter who the GM is, who the, oh, if it's Woody Johnson or Christopher Johnson in charge, who the coach is, they just can't get it right. But you will learn a lot about this team the next couple of weeks. No easy task. On the road, Seattle. On the road, Miami. White's cleared to play. And he's gonna. And it is going to be an interesting thing to watch how he takes command of this offense, now healthy or you, healthier, because you can't take rib injuries lightly. I, how bad they still might be, we don't know. He was just cleared to play. But the fact that doctors outside of the organization weren't clearing him the last couple of weeks tells you all you need to know. You don't mess around with that part of the body. Ask Justin Herbert. He got creamed earlier in the season in Kansas City and missed time. Ribs take a long time to heal. And he's going to go up a against a physical defense tomorrow in, in Seattle. And don't think they're going to be going for him. Because Seattle needs the game just as much as the Jets do. And right now, you look across, and we'll talk about the Giants momentarily, but in the AFC, you got the Bills. They've locked up their division. Kansas City's locked up their division. Cincinnati's going to the playoffs. Baltimore's going to the playoffs. 
the Chargers are going to the playoffs. There's two spots available. And if the season ended today, the Jaguars win the AFC South. Their season comes down to next week's contest with Tennessee. The winner of that game goes. And then the final wild card spot. If the postseason started today, it goes to Miami. And they've got a biggie against the Patriots this week who are on the bubble. So right now, as it stands, the Jets are ninth, seven and eight. Patriots have the tiebreaker over them at seven and eight because the Pats beat them twice. So there's a lot that needs to happen. But if Mike White plays well, And you get a win tomorrow on a Seattle team that right now is on the outside looking in in the NFC. And then you can find a way to beat a Miami team who the last month has been brutal. And now you got the Tua Tugabailoa situation again with concussion protocol. Miami really should do him a favor and sit him down. That stuff is scary. I mean, that stuff can change your life. Sometimes people seem to forget that the brain is a floating muscle. That thing gets knocked around. I mean, you saw Tug Bailoa had that reaction where his fingers locked up at midfield. Miami's got their their own issues at quarterback. Because Tua, as of about 15 hours ago, read it on CNN, he's still on, on protocol. But, I mean, how bad this concussion stuff gets with Tua Tagovailoa. He he might have to make a, a decision to potentially walk away from this game. You know, forget about the football aspect. Let, let, let's think about the human aspect for a second. Yeah, young kid's got a life to live. That's why Romo walked away at an earlier age. Barry Sanders at an earlier age. Andrew Luck, most recently. So this whole playoff picture is going to get better and more clear as we go along. And we got a, actually a caller on the line. Who do we have here? Here. Oh, it's Mike. Hi, Pete. How you doing? Hey, Mike. How's it going? Okay. I, was, I just had a question. I know you're talking Jets right now, but about the Giants. If, should they beat the Colts tomorrow and Jones has a good game, you think they re-sign him? I don't see how you couldn't. And I, and it, perfect timing with that because we were going to get there anyway. Uh, we'll go over more of the, the, the playoff picture from the NFC. Giants have no excuses tomorrow. If you, if you watch the Colts last week with Nick Foles back there, the offensive line can't protect them. I mean, the Giants just got to get in that backfield. You win and you're in. Yeah. But if Jones plays well, the contract is his. I, there, to me, there's just no way that you don't bring this guy back. And and that's the question. Has Daniel Jones earned a contract with the Giants? I think yes. Potential contract numbers, the fifth-year option that the Giants didn't exercise last year was now worth about $24 bucks. Wow. The non-exclusive franchise tag is projected to be about $31.5 bucks. So if the Giants don't match an offer that another team gets him, the Giants would get two first-round picks. So I don't yeah. think anybody's going to give Daniel Jones $32 million in one year. No, I don't think either. 
In the beginning of the season, I had my doubts about him, but gradually as the season gone along, he's kind of winning me over. All you had to do was watch that drive in Minnesota last week when they were down eight, let him right down the field and then converted to two. He wasn't the reason the Giants lost last week. The reason the Giants lost to Minnesota is because defense couldn't get off the field on third down. That's right. And I think Daniel Jones has got an Eli Manning toughness to him. He doesn't sulk. He doesn't pout. He doesn't complain. He's not a yeller. And I think the big thing here now is the fact that you hadn't seen this since he came into the league. And actually, Pat Shermer talked about it last week, his old coach. Jones has got a head coach who's who's got his back. And that is crystal clear. And yeah, that's true. Plays into the way that this guy plays on the field. I think these guys know, know he's a leader. This is his team. And I think it would be a tough sell to the fan base at this point if Jones and Barkley weren't on the Giants next year. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And uh, let's hope they win tomorrow. I'll be rooting for them. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Listen, and, and Mike, thanks for the call. No excuses for the Giants tomorrow. The Colts are apt. They're in complete disarray. Uh, defensively, they have massive issues. The, the, the Jeff Saturday saga has, um, you know, gotten way out of control. And now they just have n- nothing working offensively. And I, and I think you'll see tomorrow with this Giants, what do they want to do? Get into that Colts backfield with your defense. It's a Kayvon Thibodeau-type game. Get into that backfield of the Colts. Wreak havoc. Because what that'll do will give the offense time to breathe. Because again, as well as Daniel Jones has played, the weaponry around him, other than Saquon Barkley, really hasn't been great. I like Isaiah Hodgins as much as anybody. And I think along with him and Richie James, Darius Slayton, they've got a spot here next year. But when you look at some of the stats on why people gripe about the weapons that Daniel Jones has, if you rank all the quarterbacks in the NFL, Daniel Jones has the fifth most dropped passes. That's a problem. When you put it in the basket and the guys are dropping them, that's not on you. And I, Jones has done a hell of a job with Mike Kafka and Brian Dable cleaning up most of his turnover issues. And we saw the fumble-itis come back a little bit a couple weeks ago at home against the Commanders, but he protects the football. He doesn't make dumb throws. Even the pick that was intended uh, for Hodgins last week was a better play by Patrick Peterson than it was a worse throw, in my opinion, by Daniel Jones. And it was perfect timing on Mike's call, folks, because that's what, what we were getting into with the Giants. I think it, 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 you've got the parallels here between the Jets and Giants quarterback situation, I mean, are too good. Mike White plays well. He's got the first crack at it next year, in my opinion. I don't think that it needs to be discussed as heavily as it, as it is. To me, it's a no-brainer. Guy plays well, he's your guy, until he's not. But you got to give him the chance. Daniel Jones lighting the world on fire? No. Schematics, weaponry, all play a part. I know they've had drive killers at times where Daniel Jones hasn't looked good. He was putrid on the road in Seattle. But all he did last week in Minnesota was give the Giants a really good shot to beat a really good Minnesota team in a building that is not easy to come away with a victory in. Defense couldn't get off the field twice on third down. Justin Jefferson is just not a human being. I mean, I, I, 
since Calvin Johnson, I haven't seen a wide receiver this good. The guy's as is unstoppable. He's unstoppable. There's not a person in the league capable of covering Justin Jefferson. Now, listen, I like Fabian Moreau, but mismatch last week. And then you lose on a 61-yard field goal. You really can't do much complaining. 8-6-1 overall. In this playoff picture, now the Giants are sixth. Third in the division. The lockups already, the Eagles. 13-2, they're in. The Vikings are in. 12-3, clinch the division. Outside shot, it's still getting that one seed. Niners in, 11-4, red hot. Even without Jimmy G, Brock Purdy playing good, solid, smart football. And Dallas is in at 12 and 4, second in the NFC East. Somebody's got to win the NFC South. And the Buccaneers have a, have a big game this week against the Panthers that could really tilt that NFC South race one way or the other. Giants are sixth at the moment, Commanders seventh at 7 7 and 1. It's as simple as this, folks. If the Giants win tomorrow, they're going to the playoffs. It is that simple. And you're getting a really bad Colts team at 4-10-1 at home. There are no excuses. There is no way that you could justify at any moment, at any point, any way, the Giants losing tomorrow. Biggest game for the Giants since 2016, the last time they made the playoffs. But it would be just a soul-crushing loss if it happened. And folks, all you had to do was watch the Colts last week against the Chargers. They're a bad football team. They're not going to have Jonathan Taylor. Nick Foles under center. A good veteran, I get it. But he's got an offensive line that can't protect him. A weak uh, backfield at the moment. Decent young receivers. Alec Pierce on the outside. But there's not much for this Colts team. This is a situation where the Giants got to go old school. Run the ball. Get to the quarterback. Get in the backfield tomorrow. Whether it's Williams, Lawrence, Thibodeau. Getting a Dory Jackson back. Isaiah McKinney back as well would be huge. Giants get healthy at the right time. They can make some noise. But we're not having this conversation if they don't win tomorrow. Because you end the season, date time to be determined in Philly next week. And that could still very well be a meaningful game for the Eagles. Because they have not yet locked up the top spot. So there really is no excuse for the Giants at this point. One o'clock tomorrow. Weather looks good. Fan base is going to be raring up for this one. You got to take care of business. And then you got those bubble teams. This is why the game is so big for the Jets tomorrow. Seattle's not laying down here. Seattle's on the outside looking in. But the season ended today. Seattle's home. They're not going to the playoffs. And they're still trying to hold off the Lions. Green Bay's making a late charge. Carolina and the Saints, at least in the NFC South, are not totally out of this thing either. Commanders play the Browns tomorrow. 
that's not an easy task. I know the Browns are not great at six and nine, but they can give you problems. They can give you fits. Couple of playoff spots left. It is right there for the Giants. Smart football by Jones tomorrow. Feed Barkley. I'd get Breida involved as much as possible. Tomorrow's game for the Giants is all about the defense. Just pester foals all day. That's what you got to do. They can't protect them. And the Giants have weapons on that defense that they got to use. You get to the quarterback tomorrow, you win the game. Period. Stop. We'll go around the league. I mean, week 17, you know, this time of the year in the NFL, it's like what I've been talking about with the college bowl season. There's something to look forward to every week. And the best part about this is now the playoff picture is starting to become a little clear. And we'll know even more as the day goes on tomorrow. Kickstarted the week. Dallas at Tennessee. It was basically a meaningless game for Tennessee. Because their season comes down to next week against Jacksonville. Winning in. That's your division. But Dallas got the win Thursday night, so I started the week off pretty well in my picks. Arizona goes to Atlanta. Arizona's in shambles. Atlanta's not very good either. But Arizona is just... They're a dumpster fire. I like Atlanta at home. Low scoring. But give me the Falcons at home. Carolina goes to Tampa. It's a big game. This could flip the division here. Right now, season ended today. Car- uh, Tampa Bay's in. Carolina's out. Script flips tomorrow if Carolina wins the game. Give me Tom Brady week 17 at home. I got to go Tampa Bay here. I got to do it. Be shocked that they lose? No. But my gut tells me they're not going to lose at home. Steve Wilkes done a nice job with Carolina since taking the reins from Matt Rule. Playing a little better football, good defense. I, I, I don't I don't see it. I've been wrong before. But I like Tampa Bay at home. Chicago to Detroit. I mean, egg of the season last week for the Lions against Carolina. I mean, come on. I mean, that was one of the most Detroit Lion things of all time. To lose a game that you had to have to a sub-500 team. That now dips Detroit to 7-8 and eight on the outside looking in. And they need some help. Detroit will be rooting their butts off tomorrow for for the Jets to beat Seattle. Cleveland goes to Washington. I'm going to take the Browns here. I just have one of those feelings. I know the commanders are home. I like the Browns here. I think you'll get your prototypical, you know, northeast weather, hit in the mouth, week 17 type defense, blustery weather out in the nation's capital. But give me the Browns on the road here. Denver goes to Kansas City, and the Denver stuff's out of control. Can't remember the last time a professional athlete was this uncomfortable. I'm obviously talking about Russell Wilson. Read the other day that the the team is not overly happy with his demeanor. He's he's got... I have no problem with the guy getting his own parking spot, multiple parking spots. That player's got a park. That's fine. Guy's got an office. Got his own private office? What? 
because he watches extra film? That's what you have team meetings for. This guy's got a freaking private office on a team that's won four games. Has there been a bigger joke in pro sports this year than the Denver Broncos? I don't think so. And they are stuck with Russell Wilson with the contract that they gave him. Man, man, are they stuck. <laughs> and he's just, he's just a weird dude, right? You see the commercials. Read the, the report that uh, he said he was on the uh, uh, eight-hour flight and for four of those hours or whatever it was, he was doing uh, push-ups, dips, and sit-ups in the aisle. No wonder your freaking teammates don't like you, if that's true. I can't imagine that he did that for four hours. That's just, it, it's absurd. The things that come out of this man's mouth. But no wonder the team doesn't allegedly like you. On top of the fact that you're a weird dude, now you, the reports that you got your own private office like you're a freaking executive. And, oh, by the way, you're playing terrible football. Kansas City. By a mile. Kansas City by a mile tomorrow. Colts go to the Giants. Give me the Giants. Get it done, New York. Enough. Take care of business. Take all the good you did last week in Minnesota. Bottle it up. Bring it in front of the home crowd tomorrow. That pl I wish I was going. That place is going to be going bonkers tomorrow. Get it done. Giants win. They're in. I like them. I like the Giants to go to the playoffs. Tomorrow they beat the Colts at home. Jacksonville goes to Houston. And Houston really threw a wrench into things last week when they beat Tennessee. Tennessee's been playing horrible football. Jacksonville's not going to lose this game in Houston. Trevor Lawrence been playing out of his mind. They got the running game working. Got to get Christian Kirk active in this one. Now you get in, up on that defensive line. Jacksonville's front seven. Pressure. You saw it against Dallas in the come from behind victory. Ending it with a, a, a hilarious pick six. Jacksonville not losing tomorrow, folks. I like them on the road in Houston. Dolphins go to New England. And you're looking at a flip here if New England wins this game, and I think they do. We don't know about Tua Tugvailoa. Flat out just should not be playing football at this time. To care about the human being. Pats are home. Completely different conversation if they don't do the boneheaded lateral a couple of weeks ago against Oakland. But New England and Miami both need the game. I like the Pats at home here. Regardless of who plays quarterback from Miami, I think it's going to be a good game. I just like the Pats. Ramondre Stevenson, I know, is questionable. We should know a little bit more about that as the day unfolds. You know, those of you who might be in a fantasy championship, you got him. I have him on my team. Right now, I have him on the bench. Because I don't want to play that game where I find out in the 11th hour that this guy's not playing and he's in my lineup. I'm screwed. So yeah, you'll have to keep tabs on that. Regardless, I like the Pats at home. New Orleans goes to Philadelphia. Gardner Minshew, give me Philly here. Lock up the top seed. End it. And you can give you guys some run week 18 against the Giants and give them a breather as well. Eagles just take care of business and you can soar into the playoffs. I like the Eagles over the Saints. Seattle hosting the Jets. I have to go Seattle here. I know Mike White is back. You know, the, the Jets, I know they're trying to develop a, you know, a semblance of a running game with the minimal talent that they do have. 
but I've got to go Seattle here. And it's a biggie for both teams. Seattle at home, it's a tough place to win. I just don't see it happening. San Fran to Vegas. Give me the Niners. Other than maybe the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Cincinnati Bengals, not too many teams playing better football at the right time than the 49ers. With Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey. I mean, CMC is playing good football. He can just do it all. And you, and you probably would say now, you know, I remember a couple of weeks ago I had Mike Pereira on, and we, we were talking back and forth about your, your favorites. This was probably when I had him on. It was I think it was week, I want to say week 11, week 12. You know, he was still very much into the 49ers at that point. As a matter of fact, I think it was week 9. I think the Niners were 4-3 and three at that point, kind of teetering on how good are they. Was it kind of a mirage last year? You know, and, and Mike still had him as his favorite to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. I would imagine he feels even more confident with that now at 11-4, and four, the way they've been playing. I like the Niners on the road in Vegas tomorrow. I just see them getting it done. Rams go to the Chargers. I know Baker Mayfield seems to be grasping the McVay offense very quickly. And you might have a situation where I know those retirement rumors floated with McVay to be uh, with his family more which I get. You know, if Mayfield's able to grasp this offense, maybe maybe McVay sticks around a little bit because you don't know the situation with Stafford moving forward. Be that as it may, I like the Chargers at home tomorrow. Minnesota goes to Green Bay. Green Bay is the, the resurgent Green Bay Packers. Yeah, I, I, I like Green Bay at Lambeau in this one. I really do. Aaron Rodgers gets the team back to 500. And man, if he could find a way to get Green Bay into the postseason. You know, Giants win tomorrow. That's one of the wild card spots. Maybe he dumped the Commanders. You know, I like Cleveland, I said, to beat Washington tomorrow. Green Bay knocks off Minnesota. Gets real interesting going into the final week of the season. So give me the pack at home. I'm going to pull up the, uh, the, the game time temperature for that one. Um... I mean, this time of the year, right now in Green Bay, 27 degrees. You know, tomorrow, it looks like it might be unseasonably warm in Green Bay. In the 40s. Interesting. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. But I like the pack at home over the Vikings tomorrow. Pittsburgh goes to Baltimore. Give me Baltimore here. Huntley stabilizing that QB position. In Lamar Jackson's absence, I like the Ravens at home. And then your Monday nighter, Buffalo-Cincinnati. What a great game. This would be one hell of an AFC championship if we could get it. Can't forget Kansas City. But Buffalo-Cincinnati. Buffalo, my preseason pick to go to the Super Bowl and win it. I still feel that way. I like Cincinnati in this one. Buffalo, I'm still on the, on, on the train. I just like the way Cincinnati's playing right now. I like him at home. If you need a tiebreaker score, if you're in a pick em league like I am, I got a Monday night football score uh, of 54 here total. So, again, you know, we started the week Dallas over Tennessee. I like Atlanta over Arizona. Tampa over Carolina. Detroit over Chicago. Cleveland on the road over the Commanders. Kansas City and the Giants at home. Jacksonville on the road in Houston. That's a biggie. The season comes down next week to the Tennessee game anyway. Regardless of the outcome in this one, it's win and in for the Jags and Titans next week. I like New England, Philadelphia, Seattle, all at home this weekend. San Fran on the road in Vegas. And then to wrap up the slate of games, I like the Chargers over the Rams. Green Bay at home over Minnesota. 
Baltimore over Pittsburgh, and then Cincinnati on Monday night at home over the Buffalo Bills. So, I mean, what do you have this weekend? What am I looking forward to? It's a monster college football Saturday. The Sugar Bowl is underway. Alabama, Kansas State, ESPN, 5v9. And then tonight, you got the college football playoff. Michigan TCU at 4. Georgia OSU in the Peach Bowl at 8. Tomorrow, Giants. It's as simple as this. Win and you're in against the Colts at home. 1 o'clock. I believe that's the CBS game. Bills can clinch the top seed in the AFC with a win and a Kansas City loss. And then Miami. With a Jets loss and a win, Miami gets into playoffs. But it's going to be interesting to see what they have at the QB position. So you're following the Final Four tonight. Get to a TV. Now throw on the Sugar Bowl. Alabama-Kansas State should be a good one. I like Bama in the game. Tonight, Final Four. Close. TCU covers, but give me Michigan outright. And give me Georgia over Ohio State. So I think you'll have a national championship of number one Georgia, number two Michigan. I want to thank everybody for listening, chiming in today. We're going to wrap it up uh, little short today. Got some things to do to get ready for the New Year's celebration. My daughter's first, right? She's four and a, four and a half months old, so she'll be celebrating her first uh, New Year with my, my wife, Elizabeth, uh, and I tonight. So I just got to get some cooking and cleaning done. And uh, I'll see all of you again next Saturday. All right? Everything gets posted back on Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe to on all of those platforms through the app or on the website. Sports today with Peter J. Type it right in. The schedule pops up. All the old shows will replay as well. And you can stay locked in with me on Twitter by following at PeterJM. You get up-to-the-date information, um, potential guests coming on the show each and every week. Next Saturday, I'll be back at 11 a.m. right here on Podbean Line. Again, don't forget to subscribe on all the platforms, Podbean, Spotify, Apple, and iHeartRadio. Folks, it's been a pleasure. Have a happy new year, and I will talk to you again next Saturday, same time, same place, right here on Podbean Live. Sports Today with Peter J.